What does that mean, Lord God? The great I am. It means that there's nothing without you. There's nothing at all without you. You created all things. You hold all things together. You're in charge, Lord God. You rule and you reign. You rule and you reign over everything in our lives. And Lord, we just want to say thank you today, Lord. We exalt you, Lord God. We exalt you for all the things that you do in our lives. Lord, and we want to offer up an offering of praise today, Lord God. Lord, we praise you in every situation. Lord, we praise you in every situation. Lord, we want to exalt you high above every name in every situation in our lives. We lift you up above those situations, Lord God. We exalt you, Lord God. We lift you up, Lord God. We exalt you, Lord God. There is nothing too big for you, nothing too difficult for you. We exalt you, Lord God. We praise you, Lord God, from the bottoms of our heart and all the way through to the top, Lord God. We praise you in our hearts, Lord God. To the left and to the right, we praise you, Lord God. All of our hearts praise you, Lord God. For you are to be praised, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Lord, I was thinking about it today. It's my birthday today. And I was thinking about what, what a gift. I don't want any gifts. I don't want any things. I have salvation. I have salvation. What a gift. There is nothing I want more than that. I don't actually want anything else other than that. I want salvation and all that that has for me. Salvation, the death of Jesus on the cross. We're going to have communion in a little while. Just remember the death of Jesus. He bought our salvation. Our salvation, that's for everything. The Bible doesn't discriminate. That's for everything. Amen. We're going to have communion now. Thank you, Jesus. Good morning. I've been asked to share a little about communion, so uh, I'll do that. I'm from Denmark, by the way. I'm married to beautiful Anne sitting over there, and we're with YWAM uh, for a time now. So, yeah, I'm very happy to, to, to uh, go here in uh, Eastgate. Um, when I was praying about like what to share with communion, um, I thought that the verses I'm about to read, I've heard them like a million times, but through my life it meant different to me every time where about where I was in my life. So I'm just going to read out loud and explain a little about that just after. Yes. Now as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and blessed, and after blessing it, he gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup, and when he has given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink all of this, um, but this is my blood of the covenant, uh, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the wine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. That's awesome. Uh, where I grew up, I grew up in a state church, uh, a pretty traditional one in Denmark. 
And um, the thing is, you know, how we did it in that church, and which they still do, it's like we all, it's all, it's the same pattern. Every every Sunday, it's all, you know, in, so we don't, we never run late, and it's always on the same time. We have the communion, which is good because everyone comes in, know what's going on. Um, but the thing is, you know, every time we had communion, like the pastor, he'll come in his black uh, thing. I don't know if you guys have seen it. Like he has a black kind of a dress, actually, with a write something around here, and he will read out this passage I just read out. And, like, I joined church since I was all very little. And my parents took me. And um, uh, when I was about eight, I think, when he was reading out that passage, I could actually sit in my, in my bench. And, you know, he said, yeah, I. And I was like, I. You know, and I, I knew the passage. Like, I knew the words. I could say it along. I've heard it so many times. But when I was young, like, what we, what we did, like, when he had written out this passage, the whole church, church would stand and then up here there will be an altar, and then everyone come up in line, and then, you know, let's say 20 at the time, all kneel down, you know, sitting with serious head, and no one really looking at each other and stuff, and then the pastor will go around, you know, this is and looking you in the eyes, and like, um, and for me personally, like, I really um, linked that up with that, actually, kind of that the, the salvation was it was in that bread and wine, you know? So actually, you know, okay, every Sunday I can go up with my burden of sins and we be serious for a moment and lay it down and eat the bread and, and the wine and yes, now now I can go on for another week. So that was why how my how my, my youth was was. Um but then I became a teenager and if you guys remember, uh, a lot of stuff new stuff is going on in your head. So about that sin and standing in line and everyone was, was looking, you know, that wasn't easy at that time, but we all went up and got the forgiveness and carried on for the next week. And that was all good. But So it was like kind of like a bittersweet thing because it was good to salvation and all that. But on the other hand, you know, all the weight of my sin, you know. Um, then in my, in my 20s, uh, I decided to walk the opposite way of God, where he wanted me like just cruise off the other way. And I moved out from a parents' place, so I didn't come to church that more. And they were like, when I was when I was around, they were like, "Would you please come to church with us?" You know, and I was like, "No, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to do it." But anyways, now and then I went, and um, I knew at that time where my life was heading. So when we went to church, and there was the time for that communion thing, it was the same thing when I was small. You know, the weight of sin, you know, the forgiveness and all that. But I knew in my heart that. I wasn't right with God, so all that stuff just, you know, oh, stirred stuff up in my life because, you know, I couldn't go up there standing in line. I had so much shame and blah, blah, blah in my life. So every time what happened then, like those years, about five years, like now and then when I was up um, in church with my parents, like when we came to the time of communion, that was a good thing about everyone standing up because then I could just stand up with all the guys, take my jacket and cruise out of the church and no one will notice me. And then I would text my parents, you know, yeah, I'm walking home and I was like truly trying to get a hold of myself um, so, so I could avoid, you know, like that weight of sin and all that stuff. And then a lot of stuff happened in my life. And when I was about 25, I uh, got, got a hold of me and uh, put me back on track. And um, a lot of stuff happened. I met Anne. I went to DTS here in Barn Bay, actually, a few years ago. And Jesus really changed my life. And... Um, so now when I'm reading this passage, it says that this is the covenant of, of, uh, of blood that covers, you know, sin. It's a covenant. So actually, you know, when I'm walking up or you're walking up for a communion, it's not like if you're in that covenant, you're in. You know what I mean? 
it's not like that. So actually, for me personally, like it's like, yes, of course, if I have any sins, I should confess it, you know, and you know that's what Jesus told us to do. Tell us to do. But uh, it's like it's cool, it's nice, it's good because it's it's awesome, you know. It's just a remembrance of what He did and which covenant I am under. And the other hand as well, uh, I just when I read it just yesterday and preparing, um, it just struck me that Jesus said, you know, yeah, you know, when we will, will we, when we will do this again. It will be in my, my father's kingdom, and I will drink new wine. And that's awesome, and I'm looking forward to that. So just, you know, when we, walk, when we have our communion now, it's, it's remembrance of what Jesus did, and hallelujah, thanks to God. And also what we are going to have, you know. It's not just from now, it's like, it's pointing directly to eternity. Um, so now I'm just going to read the scripture again, and uh, then I'm going to pray, and we can have the communion. All right. Uh, now as they were eating, Jesus took should I the bread, maybe or something like that, and broke it and said, "Take this and eat this. This is my body." Yeah, we can do that if you want. And then he took the cup, and when he gave thanks, and he gave it to him, saying, "This is my, this is my blood. Drink it, all of you, for this is the blood of the covenant which is poured out for many." For the forgiveness of sin. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the wine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So thank you, Jesus, for salvation and the awesome covenant you made for, for everyone who believes. And thank you that we're going to drink wine with you in, in heaven when you come back. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. God's really good, isn't he? God's really good, isn't he? Oh, good. A few people know that. Excellent. We have got some news coming up, and you might like to get your giving ready if you've come prepared to give to the Lord today, because we're going to take that up as part of our worship today as well. A really big welcome to everybody. It is so nice to see everybody's shining faces. Uh, we had a great fun time with the launch of Kids Church for this year with our theme Mission Possible last Sunday morning. We had a ball out there and uh, I know they're having some great fun out there now. And that'll continue. We're going to keep that theme going for the whole year, all about the Book of Acts. So if your kids come back in at any stage and they've got something to tell you about it or I'm going to tell you in a moment about what happened out of the prayer time last week because that got really exciting. There's some great things happening with the Kids Church, so please keep praying for the teams that are leading those, that we get lots of inspiration and great creative ideas so we can keep on the ball and keep it pumping because we're having a ball out there. Okay, now the guys look like they're ready. Uh, when we come round today, we have got two containers. One is the bag, that's for your giving. The other is a basket, and that's for your communion cup. If you get them muddled up, they can sort it out later. How about we pray? Heavenly Father, we just thank you this morning, Lord. You are awesome. And God, we give ourselves afresh to you today, Lord. We take this gift that is a financial thing that you've given to us. We ask you to take it. We ask you to bless it and multiply it in Jesus' name. And Father, we, as we offer ourselves afresh to you today, Lord, as we place and take this act and put it in that bag today, Lord God, we give ourselves to you, even in that action, in Jesus' name. Amen.
Now, just while they're going round, I'm going to take two secs to tell you about a couple of things that happen out in kids' church. The prophetic element is not just for the over-18s. We had great fun. We had a game out there last Sunday morning called Target Australia. And what we did was we basically had a map of Australia up on the board. We put blindfolds on the kids, spun them around a few times, pointed it and said, go point it somewhere on the nation, and we're going to pray for that area. We got some very, very interesting results. Haley Strong, for the whole week, had to pray for Byron Bay. How do you plan that? Honestly, that was marvellous. Another little one, our little friend Mitch, who, of course, as we know, has got um, Aboriginal heritage, picked up the Kimberleys. Now, I thought back in the back of my head somewhere I could remember Ellie saying that their heritage area was the Kimberleys. And I came in and checked it with her. So he was praying for his own people all week. That was just awesome. And young Rowie, he has got such a heart for the centre of Australia and the big rock. And guess where he got? Alice Springs. And there's other stories like that as well, which is just so exciting. So keep praying for the kids. And uh, as we go through the book of Acts, they're going to have some questions. So mums and dads, you might like to read up on Acts so you've got some answers. Because we can't answer everything. Okay, we have got some great things happening. Of course, we have our community meal tonight, 5.30 tonight. Come along. Yes, there is definitely a place there for you. And bring a plate with some food on that we can all share. We've got next Saturday coming up Robin's Prophetic Art Workshop. If you want to get along to that today, please catch up with this gorgeous lady sitting in the front row and find out what you need to bring and what time and registration and all that sort of wonderful stuff. What else have we got? We've got all sorts of things coming up. Every Friday night from 4pm, the YWAM team still have a park outreach. Now, as you're probably aware, the teams themselves are out on on location in Indonesia at the moment and we've been praying for them. So that means they're a little light on on actual physical people, bodies on a Friday night. So if you are available Friday afternoons at 4 o'clock, get yourself along to the park outreach in Railway Park and give them a hand. On Monday the 20th, I have got actually the 21st down here, Sometime coming up in the next week, we have got Kara and Simon's wedding. So just be really in prayer for those guys. This is a very special time where God can move powerfully in their lives. It's awesome, so keep praying for them. On Friday, February the 24th, Lifehouse Church in Coffs Harbour celebrates 25 years and they've invited everybody right across the region to come and check out their new buildings and what they're doing down there. And if you're a kids' church leader and you happen to be going, just glance into what they've got for kids' church and go, and then pick your jaw up and put it back on again. It is awesome what they've got up there. God has just done some amazing things in that church through the last 25 years. (laughs) Well done, Pete. I like that. Happy birthday, sweetheart. Okay, what else have we got up there? And that's all we've got up there. So we've got a few more little things coming. We have got our men's dinner. That's at the Billy Church on Wednesday night this week. What time, Pete? Is that a seven? 6.30. Gentlemen, if you want to get along to that, it will be brilliant. They're going to feed you for a start because it's a dinner. And guys love food. Please knock Pete over in the rush to let him know you are coming. There will be a small charge. We believe it's about $8. 
Yes, we're getting a nod from up the back there. $8 payable on the night or beforehand? Payable on the night, yep. So come along, bring your money, have a great time of fellowship, but they do obviously need to know who's coming so they can bring food ready for you. Please let Pete know today. He's got a list up there. Fill up the paper, make him get another page. Yeah. Okay, we've got, um, just to let you know, Sue is doing some coaching training. Now, the first course is already full. That will actually be on Thursday the 16th, so it's this coming Thursday. If you're interested in learning about coaching and those skills and so on and what's involved, please catch up with Sue later. I'm sure she'd be delighted to uh, run a second course in need. Now, coming up this week, on Friday night... This, as most people here who come regularly will know, we are in the moment in a month of prayer and fasting. And we have got coming up on Friday night this week an Eastgate prayer storm. Now that's when the church gathers to pray together and just release the power of the Holy Spirit through the church and through this region and and just really seek God's face together as a corporate body in prayer. So can I encourage you to get along here on Friday night. What time are we kicking off, Sue? 6.30 again on Friday night uh, to just be here and be a part of that. It is a such a... I I just can't underline the power of prayer too much. Did you want to say a little bit about India at all? Later, yeah. Um, So I'll let Sue go into what happened as a result of power-filled prayer breaking out. And uh, anybody who's not on the SMS prayer chain and would like to be, please knock me over later and then I shall make sure you are updated. I think that's about all I've got down for that. Ah, we do have one special thing happening tonight with our dinner, which I skipped over when we went through the dinner slide. We've got a special guest tonight who has got quite an amazing story. We're not sure what part of his amazing story he's going to teach us tonight or tell us, but he's a young guy and we would just really, really be blessed by hearing him tonight. So get along and uh, don't miss out on that one. Well, now how did Matt introduce this before? The best preacher in the world... On the East Coast. You won't go that far. Oh, I reckon the best one in the nation. Let's welcome Sue. <laughs> Thank you, Denise. I think it's time for you to, to stand up, go and say hello to somebody and um, just, yeah, love on them in the name of Jesus.
Okay, I know you could do that all day, but we might gather in. <laughs> I am, I know I am. Okay, do you want to find your seat? So exciting, we've got Ella and Wayne over here. They got married last Saturday. <laughs> so. I don't know if it's the fallbacks, but I feel like I'm, you know, like Arnold Schwarzenegger on the microphone. Hello, Daphne, darling. Thank you. I think I feel really loud right here. I don't know what it's like out there. Is it? <laughs> okay, don't want to frighten everyone out of church this morning. Okay, that's good. Sorry, I'm turning into a, um, a grandma with an eight-year-old. <laughs> Do you like the look? <laughs> I, I've been printing my notes for messages now for a few years in point 18, which is huge, just so I can glance at them and see them. But now I still need these to even see point 18. It's scary, isn't it? <laughs> Anyone else out there? Yeah. All you people under 50, look out. <laughs> it's coming your way. Um, Now, for those of you who don't realise, Jit and Karen and Neville are all up at the Billy Nudgel Church this morning. Neville's speaking, um, and Jit and Karen and Neville are the um, backup music band for Marie. And and so from now on, um, I think it'll eventually be weekly. I think it's fortnightly this month. There'll be some of us going up there to just, um, you know, um, partner with them and um, bless them and just, yeah, help them reach the northern part of our shire. So, and I just want to say thank you to our wonderful church family here. You have embraced this new, this whole new opportunity um, so marvellously. Like, we're just, our socks are blessed off. And um, I'm really excited about what God's going to do in the future. So thank you, everybody, for leaning so amazingly into this. It's, it's amazing. So, but anyway, Neville's uh, been saying for a few weeks um, that I'm speaking on fasting today. I went, thanks, Nev. I really like being preempted like that. <laughs> okay. It's like, and then when, when there was hardly anyone here to start this morning, I went, hmm, everyone knows what the topic is. <laughs> They're not coming today. Okay. But I, um, I remember the first time I actually um, went without food. And um, it wasn't, um, wasn't like when I was seven years old and was in the hospital and got my tonsils out. And it wasn't like when I had the odd tummy bug along the way. It was actually when I was 16 and I was in high school. And back then it was called fifth form. And um, there, our whole um, home science class actually did the 40-hour famine. It was kind of new in those days. And um, you had to go without food for 40 hours. You were allowed to have barley sugar. But I'm not a sweet tooth, so that was... I was kind of like, oh, goody, barley sugar, <laughs> you know, that's really exciting. Um, anyway, it was a whole new concept for me to actually go hungry for a cause. That was like big, big lesson for a 16-year-old. 
And back then I didn't really have the concept or the grasp of how much God is completely passionate about justice issues and poverty and feeding the hungry. And, um, and he's brought me on a journey where that's, you know, very, a very passionate thing in my life as well. So anyway, talking about passion and I realised after Matt and uh, Denise's great introductory this morning, I left my Bible at home. Um, but I've got it written in point 18 in my notes so I can read it, okay? We're going to turn to Isaiah 58 and it's up there in case you did the same as me, came without your sword today. And I'm going to read this because this is a classic justice scripture, classic fasting scripture and it says this, uh, verse 6, it says, This is the kind of fast I'm after, to break the chains of injustice, get rid of exploitation in the workplace, free the oppressed, cancel debts, I like that one. <clears throat> what I'm interested in is seeing you... Oh, what I am interested in seeing you do is sharing your food with the hungry, inviting the homeless poor into your homes or your house. This is our house. Putting clothes on the shivering ill-clad, being available to your own families. Do this and the lights will turn on and your lives will turn around at once. Then when you pray, God will answer. You'll call for help. And I'll say, or he'll say, here I am. If you get rid of unfair practices, quit blaming victims, quit gossiping about other people's sins, if you're generous with the hungry and start giving yourselves to the down and out, your lives will glow in the darkness. I'll always show you where to go. I'll give you a full life in the emptiest of places, firm muscles and strong bones. You'll be like a well-watered garden. I love that scripture. For those of you that have been in our church for quite a while now, you know that that's our desire here, is to create a garden, an environment where people are going to flourish. Okay, a gurgling spring that never runs dry. And this is fabulous, this part here, especially with what we are doing in our shire. You'll use the old rubble of past lives to build anew. Rebuild the foundations from out of your past. You'll be known as those who can fix anything, restore old ruins, rebuild, even renovate kitchens, John. <laughs> okay? Make the community livable again. Can I hear a yes? Can I hear an amen? Okay. All right. That is a fabulous scripture. There are so many wonderful promises in there, not just about um, what happens when... We come with a humble heart and participate in godly fasting. But also for the season that we're in as a church right now, um, something to really sit in. So I just want to pray. Father, what an amazing privilege it is to sit here this morning and um, to be in your presence, to be a part of a company of people that have been saved by grace. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would come now and open our hearts to what you want us to hear today. Lord, all of us are coming from different experiences, uh, different um, knowledge. Um, I pray in Jesus' name that the deposit that we get is from you and that it's unique to our scenario. And we give you all the honour for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, now in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus actually gives advice about three uh, let we, normal practices, okay, for a Christian. Um, in the Bible I was reading, it called them practices of righteousness. 
and I think you can see up there on the screen, it says in verse 2 to 4, it says, when you give, and then in uh, verses 5 to 15, it says, when you pray, and then in uh, verses 16 to 18, it says, when you fast. It doesn't say, if you give, if you pray, if you fast. It's actually kind of like, this is a really normal thing. So when you're doing these things, okay. Um, and then he goes on to give advice about having a humble attitude, having a repentant attitude and practicing those things according to the word of God. Okay, don't, don't be haughty, don't be proud, don't be unwise. All right. So they're kind of like a, a given that, you know, if we're going to be followers of Jesus, we'll be participating in these sort of things. Okay, fasting, praying, giving, normal. Um, for some of us here, the actual practice of fasting or information about fasting might be brand new. So I'm going to spend a little bit of time just actually going through some basics with us and then um, hopefully we'll bring something out that I believe God has been stirring in my spirit as I've sat in this. Okay, so biblical fasting is actually refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. Okay, if we just go without food, we're actually just starving ourselves. Okay, simply that's all there is to it. Okay, but biblical fasting is to be accompanied with prayer, with worship, devotion to God's word, um, that repentant attitude we talked about, and this other thing about having a generous heart or a generous spirit, um, caring about other people. Okay, so it's got an outward focus. Then the kinds of fasts that are mentioned in the Bible. Um, firstly, we have. Your typical fast, okay, going without food. <clears throat> and uh, Jesus gives us an example of that when he was in the wilderness. Um, the other kind that you see in scripture is going without food and water. Now, that is extremely dangerous, okay, and I want to put that out there this morning, that that is not what we're proposing as our church fast this month, okay? That is really, really dangerous. And the examples that we see in, in the scripture were miraculously sustained and they had like a really strong urge from God to participate in that, okay? So we're not into the no water scenario. Is that cool? Make that clear? Okay, then there's the partial food and water fast, okay? And we see that Daniel does this in um, chapter 10. He goes for 21 days because he's really concerned about what's happening in his world and he um, abstains from meat and wine and like tasty delicacies and just kind of hangs in the veggie zone of the supermarket, okay? Um, and then there's this other one that gets mentioned in the New, New Testament and it's abstaining from an activity, okay? I think JIT at the moment's going 21 days without Facebook. <laughs> good, good on him, okay? And meat, which is huge for a Chinese person. Um, and so in the Bible, in Corinthians, it talks about married couples who actually were fasting sexually for a time of prayer. But it says, don't be unwise in that. Make sure it's short, okay? So we see that there's an abstaining from activities, okay? And then also, as you read through scriptures, there's fasts that are half day, full day, three to seven days, two to three weeks. And then the really scary ones for those, you know, definitely like God knocking on your door numbers, the ex the sustained ones for 40 days, okay? And praise God, so far in my life, I have not been called on to participate in such a wonder. Um, okay, all right, but we don't want to get bogged down in the details. We, we don't want people becoming legalistic about this or unwise when considering this. But there's something really ex exciting in God that 
like we want to lean into and be a part of, okay? So here's some more tips to help you out. Some spiritual wisdom when it comes to fasting, okay? Fasting is not, and Neville uses this term, um, spiritual currency, okay? We, we can't use it to get brownie points with God. It doesn't work. Um, we can't twist his arm, okay? It's not, oh, if I go without food, then God will do such and such, okay? It's, that's not what fasting is about. We can't buy results, okay? Um, it's a physical act, but it declares that I'm t- denying myself before God. It's like a self-control, self-dying to self thing, okay? It's actually good for us to participate in that, okay? Um, there's never going to be an, a convenient time to fast. We tried to squeeze it between weddings, <laughs> but didn't quite work out, did it, Ella? Sorry. <laughs> okay, um, it's always going to be difficult unless you're Val Saunders. She's my fasting hero. She just does it. I do it in fear and trembling, I can tell you. Okay, so it's a difficult thing. Now, this is um, key for us, okay? We're made up of body, soul and spirit. And so when we become physically weak, which is um, a given when you're fasting, okay, you've got to realise that you're actually going to be spiritually vulnerable. Okay, so you really do need accountability um, and you need to hook into the Word of God. You need to really sustain your devotional Word and maybe even have other people praying for you during that time because um, you, you will come under it, okay? You will come under a bit of spiritual pressure there from the negative realm. Okay, um, fasting does not rid you of sin, okay? We can't huff and puff and get rid of sin. The only thing that deals with sin in our world is the cross of Jesus Christ and the blood that he shed, okay? That's the only way. But the amazing thing is participating in fasting kind of turns this big spotlight on in your life and you go, ooh, <laughs> okay? And, and it puts you in a position where God's going, you know, and you've got to deal with some issues in your life, okay? So it's a bit like a filter or a spotlight, but it's God who deals with the sin, not the fasting. Is that, is that cool? Okay? Um, it's not to show off. It's not for a pat on the back. It's not for notoriety, um, and then another, just one little bit of word of wisdom is uh, don't become malnourished on the word of God if you're going to participate in fasting and, and just be fully exposed to all the worldly media and all that kind of stuff, okay? Amp up your Bible time, amp up your worship time and cut the other stuff down a bit because you really, you really do want to be feeding your spirit on good stuff, okay? Now, <laughs> Matthew 4 um, verse 4, after Jesus had fasted for 40 days, he said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Okay, so he's fully aware in that time period that he just had to really hook into the word of God. Okay, and Jesus is the word of God and he's the bread of life. How much more us? Okay, Job, okay, Job went through terrible grief and terrible loss and like sought God and fasted. And he says, I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily food. Okay, so it's really, really important to hook into the word of God when you're fasting. Now, back in the Old Testament, in the book of Ezra, when the people of God were being called back, they'd been in captivity in Babylon for 70 years and they were now coming back to the restored Jerusalem. The, um, the, people, the you know, people group that he was looking after... Um, looked at the fact, okay, we've got to go home and they were afraid because to get back, okay, they had to go through 
pretty scary country, face, you know, scary, you know, enemies along the way. And so they decided if we're going to go home, we're going to get this big army together to be our our protector and go with us. And the scriptures actually say that um, as they were, you know, gathering the army together, they actually got embarrassed because they went, ooh, (laughs) we actually forgot, okay, that in God's word he promises that he would go before us and protect us. Okay, so Ezra called the people to fast and pray and cry out to the Lord, you go before us, you protect us, and we're not going to try and do it in our own strength. And, um, and I love this little scripture. It says that they called everyone to fast to seek him, God, a right way for us and our little ones. What a cool scripture, and our little ones. And that's even for all of us who've got big little ones, okay? Those, you know, they're in their 30s, but they're still our little ones. And for all our possessions. And the wonderful outcome in Ezra 8.31 says, The hand of our God was on us and he protected us from enemies and bandits. Or in one of the scripture verses that I read, it's had the word ambushes. Okay, you might feel like your kids have been ambushed at the moment along the way. All right, so there's some fabulous scriptures for us to stand on. Now, some practical wisdom regarding fasting, okay? If you have any kind of condition, do not fast without consulting your doctor or a medical practitioner, okay? It's so important that you practice wisdom in this. Um, Drink heaps and heaps of water, okay? And the bummer is the Western world that we live in you're probably going to end up having a detox, okay? Because we just have so much garbage in our bodies and those toxins do nasty stuff in our system. And when we're flushing them out with all that water, you're going to get headaches, going to be crabby probably, <laughs> okay? Um, you're going to get yucky, you know, like that horrible coated tongue scenario, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, okay, so be aware of that. And... Um, And be aware that you're going to be physically weak too. Last year, I thought I'd follow Neville's great example and do three days without food before I went on the partial fast. And I I can do one day, okay? (laughs) I just, I can't drive. I can't do anything if I do more than one day. So just be smart in it. Is that cool? Okay? Don't fast without water. As I said before, and I want to underline it, okay? Okay. the, the examples in the scripture, it was miraculous. They were sustained miraculously, okay? From a human point of view, do not fast without water, okay? And then if you want to be smart and you really want to participate in this, if you're leading up to a fast, do yourself a favour and, you know, don't gorge yourself on all the grimy food before you start, you know? Begin to clean, clean it out now. Begin to sort of get yourself into a good pattern. And when you break your fast, be kind to your body, Okay? Come off slowly, drink nice clean, uh, eat nice clean food like vegetables or fruit before you go visit McDonald's or something horrible like that, okay? Avoid highly processed food, fatty, sugary stuff, okay? And concentrated stuff because your system's been cleaned out, okay? Be kind. Um, for a healthy person, one to three days, okay, is a manageable thing. Anything after that, mate, you need really good solid advice on, okay? So don't just go off and do it on your own steam. Um, Okay, so let's have a look in the Bible at some reasons that people fasted, okay? We find there in the scriptures many times it's mentioned that it was because of mourning, okay, Uh, grieving or a time of repentance, 
Um, it was a, um, a thing where people humbled themselves and, and set themselves apart before the Lord. And it was always accompanied with prayer and worship and confession and, and humility. Uh, in troubled times when big crises were coming along, um, they bury themselves down and begin to fast and pray. Um, seeking a way forward, seeking a new way to go about, seeking wisdom and revelation from God, um, we find in the scriptures. Uh, Daniel was looking in the scriptures and realised it was time for the people to be returned back to their rightful home in Jerusalem. And so he began to fast about that because it wasn't happening, okay? He was aware of what was going on in scripture. Okay, seeking the right dis- direction for your life. Um, Isaiah 58 told us this morning it's about breaking those yokes or strongholds, things that you just can't seem to batter through, um, setting, the free, uh, setting free the oppressed, not oppressing the free. Um, okay, seeing a breakthrough, okay, and practising social justice. This is so exciting. This is what can bring about transformation in, in so many areas. Okay, restoration and transformation of the community. Um, we find that fasting is connected to the protection of children and that has ramifications right down through the generations to come. Um, they participated in fasting as a worshipful way of remembering the special events that God had done. Um, in the New Testament, we see that um, you know heaps of the disciples, John especially, did it as a practice of normal kind of spiritual devotion. Um, the New Testament people appointed apostles and missionaries through prayer and fasting, ordained church leaders by fasting and praying, uh, dealt with the demonic. Um, it, it's always a given that it accompanies prayer and it was a practice of self-control. And then there's a couple of references there in the New Testament where people were forced into a fast by their circumstances, uh, by God, because of a scenario that he was wanting to bring about. Okay? All right. So, and often in the scriptures we see that it's large companies of people uh, went into fasting together, okay? And there's something powerful in that. But um, even though that's a public thing and it's a corporate thing and God will bless it because in Psalm 133 it talks about where there's unity, God commands a blessing, okay? So as we embrace this in whatever form in our church, God will command a blessing, Okay? But um, it's a private thing, okay? So fasting, even if we're doing it corporately, it's a private thing, okay? It's between us and God. It's a personal practice. Um, It's about personal devotion and it's about a personal God. So it's a very private, personal scenario that we're involved in. A form of our worship, our self-denial, our offering our bodies as a living sacrifice, okay? It's It's about the individual. Okay. Um, In his strength, um, our weaknesses, in our weaknesses, his strength is made known. And that's kind of the principle behind it all. Okay. We throw ourselves completely dependent on God. Now, when I was, um, I don't know, about 18, 19, sort of early 20s, was back in the late 70s, early 80s. And in Australia, there was this amazing charismatic renewal going on. Lots and lots of people got saved. Who got saved in that kind of era? Can we give me a wave of hands? Yeah, it was very amazing what, what God was doing. I know he did an amazing thing up here in the Byron Shire. Um, my mum and dad and I, we were down on the central coast and 
they, they had a little um, home group on Friday nights and it like just grew to 30 people. All these young people got saved. <coughs> it was an amazing time. And about that same time, I went off to art school and, um, and just like got a real hunger for God. And so I began fasting, which was very convenient for a poor art student. Kind of one day I don't have to pay for groceries. Um, Mum and Dad... I used to go home on the weekends and have my grocery bag, <laughs> which would last me a few days, and then I'd do my fast day, get a bit further through the week. Um, but, you know, through that time, like just because I had a hunger for God and there was all this like, new exposure to what the Holy Spirit was doing in Australia, um, like it was a real time where it broke through in my personal life and I came to a point where I could confidently... Um, speak in tongues and, and know that it was a good thing in my life, not kind of like in trepidation or fear, and, um, and began to step out and believe God for the prophetic and to prophesy and to get a, a greater understanding of spiritual gifts. And so for me, it was, um, yeah, it was a really amazing time where I hungered after God and he came in and began to develop me and grow me, okay? So... Um, you know, like in our weakness, he begins to show his strength and we, you know, move into new areas in him. But I want to turn our attention now to um, our appetites, okay? There's lots of things that we can have an appetite for. And um, I've called this today, Are You Hungry? Okay, are we really hungry to see, see God do what he wants to do here? Um, or are our appetites, okay, pointed in other directions? Do we have an appetite? What's our appetite for? Because do you know that your appetite can actually get you into trouble, okay? And we find in the Bible, way back in Genesis, okay, the very beginning of the Bible, when sin and the fall first occurred, okay, it was because appetite got out of control. And um, poor old Adam and Eve, you could say that they ate themselves out of house and home, all right? Okay, there they were set up in paradise, and they lost it, okay? They got kicked out of the garden. They got moved out of God's presence big time. And the ramifications of their appetite being out of control went right down through the generations of the human race, okay? Huge, all over their appetite and what they chose to eat. You know, Sodom and Gomorrah, for most of you, it's famous for some particular kind of sin, you know, in the Bible, it actually attributes their guilt to gluttony and excess and, get this, disregard for the poor and needy. That was what brought Sodom and Gomorrah down, an out-of-control appetite. Okay, Esau, we know him very well. All that fabulous inheritance before him, his birthright, okay? But he was hungry, all right? And he took an immediate solution to his hunger a bowl of baked beans, okay, that negatively affected all his offspring and the generations after him, an out-of-control appetite. Um, in Numbers chapter 11, the children of Israel grumbled about the manna that was miraculously being provided for them in the wilderness. And they were longing, oh, if only we could go back to Egypt and, you know, have some garlic and Egyptian delights, Okay. And so God said, okay, you're going to complain about the miraculous manna that I'm providing for you. I will give you meat. If that's what you want, I'll give you meat. And if you read the scriptures there in Numbers 11, it's quite disgusting actually. God said, I'm going to give you that much meat. It's going to make you sick. 
And it says there in the Bible, it says you're going to get enough meat that it's going to come oozing out of your nose. Isn't that revolting? How revolting is that? And he did it by sending this massive download of birds and the scripture describes that the people had their appetites so out of control that they were stuffing the birds in their mouth without even cooking them. Or Okay? Yeah, it's gross, isn't it? Okay? So I've got down here that they gorge themselves on the raw meat. <laughs> okay? Do you know that that incurred a plague on them? Okay? Because their practice was unclean. And the place which I can't pronounce old Hebrew words, but it's Kibroth Hatavah. Will that do? Will you accept that today? But the meaning of it, I can say, it meant graves of craving. Yuck! Isn't that horrible? Appetites out of control. Okay? Appetites that have disregard for the welfare of other people. Appetites that are greedy. Appetites that have to have the immediate meeting of that need okay it's got to be now but it has incredibly negative results that go down and down and down through the generations appetites out of control but the good news is the opposite is also true okay and the more i've sat in this it's like wow there's so much in the bible about this it's incredible and i want to encourage us today in this you know jesus was tired and hungry when he met the woman in Samaria at the well. And she's a socially marginalised woman, okay? She's rejected in her culture, but he took time out with her and he ended up leading her back into a relationship with her Heavenly Father, okay? And she ended up bringing her whole town out to meet Jesus, okay? He was hungry, but it was more important for him to reach out to another person, And just like in Isaiah 58, her community came alive, okay? The gospel transformed her community. But sadly, in the same instance, his disciples, who were also really hungry, okay, had gone off into the village and that was their main concern, how to fulfil their immediate need. And they missed out on this incredible opportunity that had positive ramifications. All this, this township came to know Jesus Because Jesus laid down his personal hunger, his immediate need, to meet the needs of other people. Okay, and he says to his disciples at that time in John chapter 4, he says, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Okay, for Jesus, like salvation of lost people, caring about other people, being involved in what God is doing on the planet was like incredible nourishment, okay, compared to the pleasure of eating his favourite, you know, favourite thing, okay? So are, are you hungry, okay? Am I hungry? This comes back to me. Am I hungry for what really is the priority and the purpose in God's heart? You know, Jesus also met a uh, Roman centurion who had a ten- tormented servant and um, he said this observation in Matthew 8, when he looked at this, um, you know, Gentile man, he wasn't a Jewish man, and he brought, brought his, um, you know, trauma to Jesus to do something about. And Jesus says to him, he goes, so many of God's people don't have the hunger this man has shown. They come to see me, but they don't hunger. Okay? The question today is, are we hungry? Okay? Are we hungry for what God wants? In um, 
Matthew chapter 5 in the Beatitudes, we know this. It says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. In the Message Bible, it puts it this way. It says, You are blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. His food and drink is the best meal you'll ever eat. Okay, and we need to get that in our spirit today. I'm just going to read that one again. It says, You are blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. His food and drink is the best meal you'll ever eat. Okay, are we hungry? <coughs> Sitting in this topic, um, I, I, I know there's something here that needs to get cracked. Okay, there's something about. And there's evidence in scripture that when we humble ourselves and go, God, you know, our circumstances are too big for us. We so need you to come in and do something about it. That not only does God care about the immediate, but he's actually working on something that's far beyond that. Like far beyond what we can even conceive, okay? And and I feel like it's it's got a prophetic edge to it because it's it's like it's something that's about to be birthed, but we're not even aware of it because we're so focused on what we need, okay? But there's this grace in God that if we'll humble ourselves and position ourselves in this, we're actually participating in stuff that's so much bigger, okay? Um, So just a few examples in the New Testament. Anna, that lovely old grandma, okay? I don't even know if she was grandma. I think she was a widow at a young age. That lovely old lady, okay? Um, 84 years old, the scripture tells us, and she was in the temple daily praying and fasting and um, having her devotions before God and her heart of hearts was that her people could be rescued, okay? And, you know, her immediate reason for fasting was that, okay? I'm devoted to God and, like, interceding on behalf of my people, okay? But God's over and above in this whole scenario was that she ended up being one of the very first people to recognise when Jesus was a baby that he was the Messiah that was the answer to her whole people's longing, okay? She was in this incredible... She'd been positioned in this incredible place to recognise this little baby was going to be the Messiah of the world. She actually got to share the gospel before she died, even before Jesus died, because... She had positioned herself in this devotion in God and like, you know, far beyond what she would ever imagine began to take place in her life. Um, Jesus, okay, he gets baptised and then he moves off into the wilderness for a time of prayer and fasting. The actual immediate reason for that was because he was about to move into his earthly ministry, okay? And, you know, there was going to be miraculous signs and wonders. He was going to copper beating from the negative spiritual realm and it was like a preparation time and we all know that over and above that the bigger beyond that was the fact that he was going to die to be the saviour of the world and that through him sin would be conquered death would be conquered and the human race would have salvation gifted to them how incredible is that do you know when he went into the wilderness there are only a few people on the planet that had ever really even considered or recognised that he was the coming Messiah. You had Anna, you had Simeon, you had his mother Mary, all when he was a baby, and then John the Baptist when he got baptised. But he was unknown. He was not famous. No one knew about him. But here he was, 
taking the time out to do this because he knew he was called, being called into ministry. Okay? I, like sitting in that today, I'm there going, gosh, I'm so presumptuous <laughs> that I dare to do stuff without really getting seriously hungry for God's way through, you know. Okay, but there's one more example I want to share with you and it's after Jesus returns to heaven. It's after the Holy Spirit has been poured out. Um, it's after the birth of the church, okay. And uh, Cornelius, a Gentile, a, a, a Greek, a, um, a Roman centurion, the Bible records in Acts chapter 10 that he was a devout man. Him and his family somehow or other had been influenced by the Jewish people and had a heart after seeking the one true living God. And so the scripture records him as being devout and um, that he was praying and fasting and it underlines that he was generous to the poor and needy. So here's Cornelius. Hey, I just want to know you, God. I'm fasting, I'm praying, um, I, you know, I'm seeking you. I just want to know you, okay? Meanwhile, Peter was on a roof and he was praying. Um, we can say he was fasting because it says he got hungry, okay? And instead of going downstairs to have his meal, God pushed him further into hunger, okay? And he went into that state of having the vision. Uh, the vision was about food, okay? So he wasn't hallucinating about lunch like some of you are. Um, it was actually to show him, all right, that the gospel is for everyone because he was caught up in the Jewish culture, couldn't see that, you know, how on earth this whole thing, this whole thing of Jesus dying on the cross was, you know, ever going to be made relevant beyond the culture that he knew. And he's there praying and God's going, you're going to get an opportunity to share the gospel with a Gentile, which was so foreign to him, even almost distasteful to him, completely unthinkable to him, okay? So you've got the centurion over here going, God, I want to know you, I'm fasting and praying. And then you've got Peter over here. And then God brings them together. And this is the over and above working, you know, not only did that centurion and his family enter into the fullness of the gospel of Jesus and were baptised in the Holy Spirit, but that was the beginning of all the Gentile peoples on the earth being reached for the gospel. It's why you and I can sit in church today. is because the centurion was praying and fasting and seeking the face of God. Amazing ramifications out of that. Cornelius had no idea, no idea whatsoever. But he positioned himself into something and God was doing this big overriding picture out of it. And I want us to be encouraged in that today. Okay, You might be fasting with us at the moment. You might be fasting on behalf of our church, on behalf of your children, on behalf of your health, on behalf of your finances or just simply desiring to be closer to God. Um, or you might even be thinking, I should, should be fasting, okay? I don't know where you're at and it's of no problem to me. It's between you and God. But I just want to encourage us today that somehow participating in this, it's not just about our immediate need, what we think is like the high focus of our life right now, but it's about us being positioned into stuff that is beyond what we could even imagine, Okay? It's positioning us to partner with God in, in stuff that's so amazing. 
for people being rescued with the gospel. Okay, and if we can capture that this morning, if that can inspire us and encourage us, that's my heart. That's what God's been stirring around. And in Ephesians 3.20, it says this. It says, God can do anything you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. Okay, He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. Now, I've got a story that I want to tell you as we kind of close this morning. And I kept putting it on the shelf because I'm there going, I don't, I don't know how that story really fits. But I feel like the Holy Spirit kept going, no, you've got to tell it, okay? So I'm like, I'm going, God, please help it make sense, okay? And anyway, here we go. Are you with me? Okay, it's a good example of unity and how God just works over and above what, where we're at, okay? But it's a difficult story. Um, Neville and I, as many of you know, uh, lived in Coffs Harbour and we're in the church down there for 14 years. Our, my good friend Ken and Pam are with me today. And during the time that we were there, there's a beautiful young girl by the name of Ashley. And when she was 12 years old, she got um, a, a really bad aggressive cancer in her leg. And, um, and it was, um, yeah, it was a, like a real trial time. It was really awful. Um, she received lots of treatment from the doctors um, and there was never any good reports. It was, it's a, it was a bad cancer. And bar a miracle from God, it was going to take her out in her young life. And uh, her parents, who were beautiful Christian people, um, desired to do absolutely anything they could do to um, support her immune system at the time and to surround her with the very, the very best. And so they embraced a, um, an organic raw food, um, mostly vegan lifestyle. And, um, and, you know, there were many people in our church who were praying and fasting about the scenario, but a lot of us got on board and um, in various forms, okay, took upon a similar lifestyle, abstaining from certain things, so that no matter where that family went, and especially Ashley, there was always food, kosher food for them. Does that make sense? So we just created this environment of support around them. And um, at the time, my, um, my sister had died from bowel cancer. My dad had had prostate cancer. My mum had been diagnosed as a celiac. Dad's, uh, Neville's dad had had two heart attacks and had had major like, bypass surgery. And his mum um, suffered greatly from high blood pressure. And Neville and I went, gosh, if we're going to, like, we really need to begin to steward our own health, you know, because, like, you know, on this planet, there's like pretty bad health scenarios going down or non-health scenarios. And so we went, well, we will embrace this as well. And so for quite a few years there, we lived a very clean, clean lifestyle, okay, in support of this family um, and, and Ashley. But sadly, Ashley did die when she was at the age of 15. And it was a real grieving time for our church. She loved Jesus with all her heart. She was connected to the Christian school in Coffs and it was a huge funeral. That There was just like the whole, this massive big community funeral and the testimony of this beautiful little girl and, and her love for Jesus. And, you know, like you come away from those kind of things and you go, I, n- I never know what to do with that kind of stuff because, you know, we know God can heal but we also live in a fallen world where bad things happen to good people. And... 
you just got to come to a place where you rest in God in that. And while that story came back to my remembrance this week and I kept sitting there going, so why are you reminding me of this, God? Why are you reminding me? And it's got to do with this over and above, the immediate, you know? And he started to point out to me that in my own personal life, um, because I was a part of that at the time, things happened in my life that were so far beyond where I was at at the time. Many of you know that Neville and I um, were childless, okay? I'd had miscarriages years before this, but had never been able to fall pregnant since. And my body benefited from that very good clean-out of supporting this other family, and I fell pregnant. And Haley's walking around today. She's a walking, living miracle. And I went, wow, God, I'd, like I'd never put the two things together. And then the other thing as I sat in this was the whole thing of like, it was right during this time that God put on our heart to come to Byron Bay and work scenarios like we loved and we still do, our church in Coffs Harbour. We, didn't, we were happy to die there, you know. But he worked scenarios in our, our life at that time that made us be able to loosen ourselves to be able to come. And um, I, like I've never put this all together until this week. And I'm going, wow, that's amazing. Um, and it's a weird story. I know it's a weird story, but all I can get is that the Holy Spirit wants us to understand that there's our immediate needs and God in his compassion and grace cares fully about that. But if we will position ourselves, he, there's more that he's doing that we can't even comprehend. And we probably can't comprehend in the presence that we're in, but that we've just got to walk in trust and faith of him, in humility and let him work the stuff out. And so I'm not very good at articulating that, but there's a scripture that does. So I'm going to read this Bible verse or this scripture to you because it says it and I can't say it, okay? Isaiah 55 says this and I've got a bit of a shorthand version of it for us up on the screen. It says, Come, all who are thirsty, come to the waters, you without money, come, buy and eat. Why spend money on what is not bread and labour on what does not satisfy? Listen to me. Eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear, come to me, hear me, that your soul may live. Surely I will summon nations that you do not know. And Oh, sorry, I will summon nations you know not. I suppose it's the same thing, isn't it? And nations that do not know you will run to you. Okay, this is huge. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. And this is what the scriptures say. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts than your thoughts. My word that goes out from my mouth, it will not return to me empty, but I will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Okay, that is a massive scripture. And um, for me, it's like, oh, I'm really little. I'm really little, God, but you're really big. And, you know, this is what I need right now. And I'm stepping out in faith and I'm sitting in it. But also it's like, wow, God, you're so big that you're going to do over and above it. 
Does that make sense for us today? Okay, so what I bring to you is, are you hungry? Okay, are you really hungry for God to bring about what he wants to bring about um, through you, you know? Um, he is amazing. And um, there might be people here, you might be like Anna or Cornelius. And, um, and you know, you've been devout, you've been seeking God, you, but you actually don't know him personally, okay? And I just want to pray this morning that if you're here and, you know, you've, you've been coming to church, you've been seeking God, but you've actually never actually come into a personal relationship with him, I'd love to pray for you today. It's so easy. It's just about giving up. <laughs> it's just about saying, okay, it's not going to be all me from now on. I, I need you, God, to be the boss and the, the number one. And I'm sorry that I've tried to do this in my own steam. And I acknowledge that I need the work of the cross of Jesus in my life. And um, I'm going to pray about that. And we're going to worship Jesus. And, you know, if you want to know Jesus, come and talk to me. If you want to push through to that point where you go, yes, I've got a personal relationship with a personal God. But all of us here today, I know that many people have scenarios in their life that at the moment you just think, this is a tidal wave and I don't know how to, I don't know how to deal with this. Then can I just invite you to come down and bring your immediate need to God this morning? And we... Lots of people here be happy to pray with you, okay? And we'll see God do amazing things. He cares about our immediate need, but he uses that to work over and above. Is that okay? So, Matt, if you don't mind coming, I'm just going to pray for us all and if we can maybe stand up. Father, Lord, we, we're just so blown away by your goodness.